If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode 141, Sunspan, here with Cinderin. This podcast is episode... Wow. This episode yes. is sponsored by Manscaped. This podcast is episode. This is where Thank you, you guys. this is where you read the promo. Listen up everybody. We got a new hot promo take coming in here from our sponsors Manscaped. Mm-hmm. So listen up. Splish splash. I was taking a bath and I noticed I have beautiful balls. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist hygiene, are turning men's shower dreams into their favorite routine with the all-new Ultra Premium Collection. This is an all-in-one hygiene skin and hair bundle. It's designed to upgrade every man's shower routine from head to toe. Your skin, hair, and balls deserve this. Save big by going to manscaped.com for 20% off. And get free shipping with the code We Say Things. Wow. Thank you guys. What a deal. Uh, this is their deodorant. I probably should have brought mm. their other products. They're right over here. It's from the Ultra Premium Collection. They have body spray. They have body From the wash. Ultra Premium Collection. They have shampoo conditioner. They have Splish chapstick. Splash. They have literally everything. By the way, do you even know what that reference is? Splish Splash? Uh, it's probably a movie, so no. It's a song. Splish Splash. Oh. Take it. That's not how it goes at all. Ooh, what? that smells good. Splish Splash, I was taking a bath. All and right, oldie. so I just Googled Splish Splash, and the first hit is Splish Splash, your opinion is trash. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what's And the not second trash. one is Splish Splash, I was taking a bath song. Manscaped. So oh, be sure to click on the link in the description to help us out. And if you're interested in buying some of their products, which are really great, we can recommend. Uh, use the We Say Things code, like Cinderin said, for 20% off and free shipping. Thank you, Manscaped. All right, let's talk about our beautiful patrons over at patreon.com slash we say things. Thank you to purchasing the in Bruce tier in hopes you will promote my Steam game for play chess available to wish list now. I have no shame. What is this kind of stuff? Is that like month and a half in a row now? Yes. The Dota 2 card game artifact had heroes but did not live long enough to see it self become the villain. Very sad. Vovalicious, how can I donate more than 30 USD per month to that beautiful man? Sunspan is a question that keeps me up at night. Roundy 3, my name is not Oswald Chesterfield Cobblepot Batman It's dot dot dot. I do not understand that reference at all, although Penguin That's is in there That's because you don't know movies. It's about he, Batman. Batman and Penguin. Games for Falling Asleep thinks Dota could have millions of players if it were properly marketed. Disco Farm D, Vincent Darksy, Hakuna Matata, Commander Donut, Trakar still an asshole, Milan Miami, and the Mega Pope. Thank you, friends. And also, thank you to Nice to Meet You, Shannon, Prince of Adult Diaper Scotton, TI in New Zealand. I'm assuming that's a stream reference. 
Zan Xavier, Nate Thicko Zero One Hamscroats, Bacon, Shark TM, Freshly Seasoned. Oh, no gold balls anymore. Okay. Dop, nothing to see here. Underscore man, a festivus for the rest of us. Ben Broomhead loves map changes and can't wait for the entire map to be new and fresh after the update. (laughs) Pitch Black, Wooden Aftertaste, Anonymous, and Peter, if two pieces of the same type of metal touch in space, they will bond and be permanently stuck together, Niebling. Is that true? That's how you were born. Okay. Is that true? There's Everything is written so far. Okay, so here's the problem. Everything Peter has written so far in these messages has been true. No, so no, if he no. at some point just pulls a total scam on us, we will believe it at I, this point. I seem to remember one not being true early on. I don't remember. You think I watch our own episodes? I don't remember. This one I'm going to say is not real. It does not sound real. How would people, how would that not be common knowledge? That's so weird. Like, there's no sound in space. That's common knowledge now. Even though this is not space related, dinosaurs have or had feathers. Actually, they still do because they're birds, Cinderin. Metal fusing in space just by touching does not sound real to me. Could be wrong. Googling it? Yep, Google it, please. We're not going to continue this episode until we find out. If two pieces of the same type of metal touch in space, they will bond and be permanently stuck together. This amazing effect is known as cold welding. It happens because the atoms of the individual pieces of metal have no way of knowing that there are different pieces of metal, so the pieces lumped, so the lumps join together. Holy shit, that's crazy. All right, thank you for that beautiful fact. I'm sorry I doubted you. Never again. Next week, please come out with something completely stupid. I will agree with you. Then I will look like an idiot again. Uh, real quick, before we get started the episode, a uh, quick update for all those beautiful people out there that love listening to me talk. Windows, oh, 11, Windows, Windows oh. 11 has come out with an update. Finally, we have the clock timer showing on all my monitors now. Thank you, Microsoft, for putting in a feature that has been in Windows since the beginning of time. And also, Notepad, you can make dark mode now. Which is cool, oh. but I actually use it as my light on my top monitor here. So I actually had to disable it, but normally I do like it dark mode. So very cool features. Thank you. You use Notepad as a light. Yeah, so I put the, well, before I have a bunch of professional lights and they're like, give me headaches. So I started experimenting and I have four monitors, three horizontal, one like widescreen up top. I just put a Notepad up there and it looks great. Like, if I make it, if I maximize it, it's going to make it too bright for me. This actually looks good, though. Like, I look better now, but I don't care because now I'm blinded by the light. So I'm going to minimize it back down to a normal size window. We could probably make it a little bigger for the episode. Let's get some high production value here for Manscaped. There we go. Like, halfway there. Okay. Good Wait, enough for so you. how bright your face is depends on the size of the notepad you have on one of your four monitors. That's right. Dude, that is fucking hilarious. It's genius, if you think about it. Truly genius. That is actually hilarious. Thank you. Okay, let's get started with the big topic of the week, which we brought up last week, the whole Ukraine conflict, which is still just... I don't know how you felt, Cinderin, but I have felt like... Obviously, I'm not affected directly like a lot of the people that are living in Ukraine, but it it's so weird. Like, I literally feel like I'm in a dream. I'm, like, sad that this is happening, especially since I've been there a bunch of times and I know a bunch of people that are currently going through a bunch of shit, it's just felt really weird. And it's like, you can donate money, which is great. 
Like they have, have a lot of great initiatives uh, with that, but if like you can't directly do anything, you know, you feel kind of mm-hmm. helpless. Uh, I don't know if you felt the same. I, I've never really f- felt like this before. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it is really weird because it's, it's something, it's a place that we have a personal connection with, right. And with people that we know that we have a connection with that either live there or used to live there or, you know, are like temporarily not there. So it is, it is really special in that sense. And, um, it's also just like, so obviously the way things get portrayed in the media and what we hear and consume, right? It, it's kind of hard to grasp the the motivation, right? I think that's also what part of the problem is. Like maybe I'm just not reading or hearing the right news or whatever, but the whole motivation and and reasoning behind all this is just not that in my opinion, I mean, I, I wouldn't want war anywhere on anyone ever, period. But like the motivation here is just, I don't know. Do, do you get what I mean? Like, what's so? I I've heard a little bit about what's happening, and I don't want to even talk about it because I'm not fully educated on it. But I mm-hmm. will say it is very interesting because there's going to be propaganda everywhere. Like propaganda exists in every country. The United States, even though we're not mm-hmm. currently in a war with anybody, even though we <clears throat> always are, it seems. Uh, we have propaganda just on normal television. Like Fox News is like probably the most hardcore, uh, like most biased newscasting thing in the U.S. But CNN is also biased. Maybe I, don't, I wouldn't personally say to the same degree, but onto the other side, right? So you're gonna have stuff mm-hmm. like that. But for this conflict, it's weird because even in our last video, we got a message from somebody. I assume somebody supporting Russia, saying that we don't know the whole story, kind of deal. And it's like a lot of what we're hearing is. That in Russia, what's on the news is literally just completely fake. Like they're showing videos that are pretending to be in firefights, which was has been proven that were actually done before the war even started. Uh, there's just a lot of like they banned Twitter now because like. But at the end of the day, like the thing that I trust more than anything is people that are literally there. They have right. nothing to gain from lying about something like this happening firsthand video evidence of shit that's going down civilians being killed and you're right i don't know the true root of what the reason is i'm not educated why putin is doing this other than being literally insane but i can't imagine there ever being a scenario where it would make sense you know it's just it's fucked up on so many levels but it's it's really weird to be in a time sorry just to finish up it's it's really mind-boggling when you have i know the internet is like partially being censored now but to live in a time where you can still do that. Like back in the day, you didn't have internet. You didn't have even phones like way back when, right? It's just weird that, like I'm sure like the older audience that are just used to watching television, getting their news from that, sure, you can brainwash them. But younger people, like how is that possible to brainwash them when they have access to literal global news? Because Russia, like I said, they're censoring stuff now, but it's not like China level censorship from before all this happened, to my knowledge at least. So it's just like... I can't imagine how that's possible, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think that's one of the really one of the really interesting and really good things that is happening is what you're saying, that because of how vastly available internet and 
ways of recording video are, you get a lot more footage than you did in, say, wars 10 or 15 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever. So for people, it becomes a lot more like it becomes a lot more real, right? In a way, because when when things get portrayed in the news, a lot of the time there won't be like necessarily imagery. It won't. It will be filtered in some in some way, right? And I'm not saying that things are unfiltered on social media. You still, you know, got to look at the source and see what you're getting. Because if you just take every video on social media as the truth, you're gonna be lied to a lot, right? Yeah. Uh, but like you said, there's just so many people that have no motivation for this, nothing to gain by pretending something is real which isn't. So a lot of the videos and a lot of the stuff you see is real. Then the question is, if it's communicated properly, like if you see an explosion in one of the Ukrainian cities, like what is the cause? Uh, obviously, it's important to identify what is an accident or what is friendly fire, for example, versus what is an actual attack. But a lot of the things are, you know, at this point, basically fully confirmed attacks. So, you know, or and not accidents. And at that point, like, what are you supposed to do in order to, quote unquote, cover that up as Russia? Right. But mm. To to your point about how it's it, how it's even possible in this day and age to mislead or be this effective with propaganda, I think a lot of the time, which is the same with like all sorts of politics, and whatever people will gravitate towards seeing what they want to see, right? So the people that are passionate and believe that this is a good invasion, for example, will look for will look for videos or look for opinions or look for content that confirm them in their beliefs right mm. and the ones that are against it will look for anything that is against it and then it's about everyone in between who's either uncertain don't really know what's going on or whatever then for them a lot of the time honestly it's just about what do you end up seeing so if for example in russia if there's a, a ton of people that don't really understand don't really know what's going on and all of the media that they get thrown at them nonstop is pro pro war then you know, if they don't see the stories from the other side, then they're way more likely to to just believe what they see. Right? And it's also about sheer amount. Like, let's say 99% of what you see says, hey, this is a good thing. And 1% of what you see say, hey, this is a bad thing. Then you might be like, yeah, that's actually true. But, you know, I've heard so many positive opinions about this. So this is probably an outlier, right? Mm. And I think that's why it's really important when there's so much overwhelming evidence and so many overwhelming opinions against it that that hopefully shifts the opinion of a lot of people that would otherwise be indifferent, right? That's kind of, that's and why a lot of people are speaking up and just trying to at least be a voice because maybe they can shift the momentum by just overwhelmingly countering the propaganda, right? That's right. The idea. And I think at the end, like there is something to be said about echo chambers where basically what you're referencing there with social media mm -hmm. where the, what's the word, the form, the algorithm, I was going to say formula, I guess it's the same mm -hmm. thing kind of shows you what you want to see <laughs> based on your history, right. which is why Facebook has been so fucking awful, especially for U.S. politics. Uh, you see what you want to see. You just create your own echo chamber, then you never really hear any other, anybody's opinion. So you just assume it's the majority or what should be. But it, it, it's just on another level when it's literally a war that people are saying is fake, right? Or people are saying, yeah, like you're seeing video, crazy. like Russia's being invaded. Like they're, I don't know exactly what they're showing, but it's like, it's on another level of holy shit. I can't believe people can get fooled by this. Um, but yeah, it's obviously really sad. Ukraine seems to be, I mean, they've lost one city, but Kiev, I think, seems to be holding strong. Their president, 
who was, I, again, this is stuff I'm learning this last week. It was a former actor and comedian. The guy's a fucking beast. Is it, what is his name? Zelensky. Is that right? Uh, yeah. He's like this huge hero now. He, is, he seems really cool. Hopefully, man, obviously rooting for them. So anyway, it's nice to see a politician like that. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. I mean, to me, that's almost one of the, the I mean, it's, it's hard to look for positives in a situation like this. Right. But that's a fucking role model. That's, it's really good to see um, in a sea of what, at least in Western politics over the last few years, it hasn't been particularly inspiring. Um, but that guy is inspiring to a lot of people. And that's, that's a really good thing about it, obviously. So, yep. So anyway, some, the reason we're talking pops. about this, other than it being a huge world event, obviously. Uh, and again, if you guys need to get updated on this stuff, this is not the place to do so. But the reason we're doing right. this is because it ties into esports. Uh, well, first and foremost, Russia has had a ton of sanctions uh, lobbied against them via the U.S. and many other countries to where their currency is now almost worthless. People are literally buying like, what was it? Like PS5s and like weird ass shit that they can just invest money into and then sell later because it's, their money is just not worth anything right now as a result of a lot of the sanctions. Uh, and in sports, regular sports, traditional sports, uh, you know, Russia is being kind of punished Russian athletes, even though they're not directly involved, they're being kind of left out in the dust, if you want to call it that which is now bleeding into esports. So Navi started off with a tweet. Uh, Navi breaks off cooperation with ES Force Holding. I'll just read this one and then we can kind of sum up the rest. It is a sixth day of the war in Ukraine. The Russian army continues to attack civilian areas. Hundreds of thousands of residents have left their homes. The others continue to fight for the future of our country. When people are dying and thousands of destinies are getting destroyed irreversibly, there is no time for esports. While Navi employees and players spend their days in bomb shelters, ES Force Holding publicly denies the horror that is now happening in Ukraine. We consider this position unacceptable and inhumane. Navi breaks off every cooperation with the holding company, including RU Hub, Epic Esports Events, Cybersport.ru, and VP. We would like to express our gratitude towards all the holding company employees who are not afraid. Oops, I lost my place. We're not afraid of the pressure and express their position. Thank you. So that's kind of like this big conjoined company that they've been a part of for a very long time, uh, which again, bled over into WePlay, terminates their partnership with the Republic of Belarus. They, there's also, they kicked out essentially Virtus Pro from the Galaxy tournament, whatever the hell it's called that's currently going on. Gamers Galaxy. Um, of course, this came after tweets of, like we referenced here, of I think it was VP specifically denying that anything's actually happening right now. And before we go on, like I, I can understand to a certain level why individuals, players, and I guess companies to some degree would not want to acknowledge this because who knows what the ramifications could be, right? Yeah. Like you have people uh, peacefully protesting in Russia against this and they're being jailed. And who knows, uh, obviously, in some cases, I would assume much worse than being jailed. So there's a level of fear involved in all of this. Uh, BTS has also uh, stopped covering D2CL. And like we said, VP was dropped. And then DPC, the Eastern European entire DPC has been postponed indefinitely by Valve. That is run by Epic Esports. So a lot to unpack here. Uh, what are yeah. your what are your general thoughts? So I think to to start from the end, uh, I think the e, the DPC postponing 
which was meant to be run by Epic Esports. First of all, assuming that this comes to an end at some point, I mean, who knows, right? Like this, this uh, invasion could be a very long-term thing or it could be over in a week. Like things are, <clears throat> there's pretty much daily news coming out about updates and you don't really know how optimistic or pessimistic to be about what you see or hear. I think a lot of people are hopeful that the sanctions are really going to break things. Uh, but for now, you know, that's the state we're in. Um, I think likely when slash if this is over, I don't think Epic will run the DPC. That's just, you know, a gut feel that we aren't just going to be forgetting this and moving on being like, oh, you know, it's fine. Because uh, the tricky thing here is the, the ties that Epic Esports has to, uh, I believe the, so you said ES Force Holding, right? Which is, I believe, the biggest esports company in Russia by far. Uh, and it's majority, or it's either has a huge investment round or it's majority owned by someone uh, very high up in in Russia who's close to, to Putin. I don't an, remember his name. An oligarch of some kind. Yes, an oligarch, exactly. One of the, one of the oligarchs here that is invested in the war, right? Um, so when it comes to this, I think regardless of who was running the DPC, this would have happened. So I don't think it has anything... Like the cancellation or postponing of this is not about Epic Esports. It's about the fact that teams aren't at home and safe to play and active. Mm -hmm. So... This is the obvious choice. You absolutely have to do this. So it's good on Valve that they were quick to just decide that this is not happening right now. Uh, that's the right thing to do, 100% behind that. Um, as far as these, um, how to say, sanctions within our scene, if you want to call it that, or cutting ties, uh, I understand that, you know, these, especially especially the organizations that are directly on the other side, right? So like we play in Navi that have Ukrainian players or Ukrainian uh, workers that even live and work from the cities that are being bombed, right? It's like, what are you supposed to do, right? Are you going to just going to pretend this isn't a thing? I, I think they're absolutely going to take a stand here and cut ties with specifically this company, right? And notice that they're not like cutting ties with... Uh, with with Russia as a whole, right? They're not saying Russian players cannot play in our in the tournaments that we run or mm -hmm. something like this. It's specifically, I think this is a really important distinction to make here because I think this makes a really big difference. The reason VP are not playing in Gamers Galaxy is not because they're Russian players. It's because the org that they represent that has their flags in the game and is profiting off the tournament refuses to denounce this or take a stand right and like you said what are the players going to do here there's two options as a player right you can either be like yeah we're we're totally against this war as well which a lot of the players are you know they i i dare say the majority of dota players in general are probably against this from russia as well like i i, I hope so <laughs> let's put it that way okay um secretly though but, in the many in many cases <laughs> i assume right Right, but but like you say, it's really difficult. So if you're if you're a VP player, and you're in this position, you might be really scared of the repercussions. And that's not only necessarily about the perspective of being fired and not being able to play for VP, but like you said, bigger punishments like being put in jail or like who knows what could happen. So. I can really sympathize with the players being really careful because they might have the the opinion that this war is bad and this should have never happened, but they're also under a lot of pressure. Uh, and 
maybe indirect or maybe direct threats like that we aren't hearing about. Maybe they've been threatened, but they obviously can't go on record and say that, right? So the whole the whole situation is a little bit more complex than just, you know, oh, you're Russian, you're a Russian Dota player. Just say Russia sucks for this war and go and play your tournament, right? Like, how hard can right. it be? I, I, there's a little bit more depth to this than just... And it's just that, it's, right? It's important so. to understand the distinction as well that it's not just about their well being, but their entire families, right? Yes. Like they don't know, like, again, I have no idea what it's like There's to so live much uncertainty in a country like that that's dominated or dictated by a specific person that has such huge influence. Like, I don't, I don't know what that feels like. So I, I agree. I, you can't blame the players, even if they don't come out and say anything. Uh, they're just protecting themselves and their families. So. At and I believe there are there are Russian players playing in Gamers Galaxy, right? It's specifically Virtus Pro that got uh, that got banned from playing it because of the org affiliation. But other teams have Russian players, I believe. So ILTW is playing for Enigma Galaxy. Uh, Team Spirit are playing with four Russian players, I think, at the tournament. Um, but obviously, the Team Spirit org immediately came out and denounced the um, the the invasion. I believe Team Spirit is Ukrainian based and don't have affiliations with ES Force Holding, so you know they could easily take that stand. Uh, I think those are all of the Russian players at this tournament. No, actually, the stand-in for OG is Chu as well, who's also Russian. He's standing in for Misha, who's Russian. So, plenty of Russian players here. So it's not about you know the organization specifically targeting Russia as a country or the players punishing them, but uh, it's about punishing that work in particular. Yeah, so. and, and I can't imagine what it's like to be one of the Ukrainian players or even like somebody like Resolution who's doing English panel work mm -hmm. uh, to be working right now while this is happening, while their families are back home. That must, my God, that's so fucked. So that's the gist of what has happened in this last week. Uh, obviously, we hope that things come to a conclusion. Please, no war ever anywhere. Yes, agreed. Uh, but yeah, going on from that, let's talk about more Dota related, I guess. I guess that, I mean, that was Dota related, but more normal Dota related news. Alliance have announced their new roster, Cinderin. It's Nico, Nigma Wee, who's not Nigma anymore. I'm just reading the Twitter handles. Symmetrical, Aramis, and Sitoma. I never know how to say this guy's name. Is it Sitomahe? Omanen. It's, uh, it's because it's. Um... It's Cyrillic writing. So the C is an S and the H's are N's. So it's Stomanen. St I won't remember or that. Stomanen. The Sea Dog. The Sea Dog. He will be the captain. Well, it's an S sound. <laughs> so S I don't think calling him Sea Dog is very. Sea Dog himself will be I captain. I thought Sea Dog was canceled. <laughs> and uh, the coach will be Loda. And Weeha yep. ended up tweeting something shortly after that was announced because obviously there was some confusion because he was supposed to be picked up last season. Uh, but his stance against betting sponsors wouldn't allow him, but he has stated, also, I stand by my stance. I will not be affiliated with sponsors connected to gambling slash betting. Excited for this opportunity. So I don't know what that means exactly. I mean, I assume it means he won't be wearing a jersey that has the betting sponsors on it. And I think the most important thing for him was that he does not have it in his name. So they obviously, yeah. Alliance obviously contacted their betting sponsor and got the okay. And it seems like things have come to a happy conclusion in this case for Weeha making a stand. Yeah, I think 
So I'm I'm trying to kind of wrap my head around how, like you said, if you remove your name from it, and if he doesn't, um, yeah, you remove the name and you remove it from the jersey. Is he also not getting that part of the salary? That, like, how do you do that concretely? I'm just wondering. Like, let's know. let's say you have, and it, let's just to make the math easier or whatever. Let's say you have a salary of of one k, and pretty out of that shit, pool. Man. Uh, yeah, obviously, it's just an example. <laughs> Let's say twenty five percent of that in in the in the company's interior structure, or whatever, is from that one sponsor. Does he just get seven fifty, or does he get one k? And then you just like, yeah, you're getting the same as the other players, but we're pulling that from somewhere else, so you're not getting it from gambling or betting sponsors, right? It feels like a little bit like a gray area. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm super happy that first of all he has something that he believes in that he's really pushing for, and that. Like you said, he got it. At least it looks like he got it the way he wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would just be curious to hear from his perspective, like, where does he draw the line? Because I'm always just curious in people's like mentalities about stuff like this, right? Um, like, would, what is acceptable for him? I is would it, actually be surprised if he gets any different salary, actually. It's just such a weird precedent to set that I mm-hmm. think they just made an exception for him. That's my gut read. Right. Uh, but who knows? I mean, maybe he'll be on the podcast someday. He did say he might be available soon. Yeah, you should uh, ask him. So in a few weeks, perhaps. I don't know. For the seventh time this month. <laughs> yeah, I think he's getting annoyed with my text. So I think I'm going to just leave it up to the viewers to spam him <laughs> during his streams, which he's probably obligated. Maybe. I mean, that's one way to make up for it, right? Say, okay, you need to stream more hours to make up for this. That could be something. Mm. Plus, his stream is bigger than anybody else's on their team. So it's just... It's a benefit to have him yeah. on the team in general, right? Even if they don't do super well. But again, they're going to be Division 2. So theoretically, they should stomp their way back to Div 1, yeah. you would think. I mean, they need to I just get top to this, 2, right? So top 2 seems... also got some teams. I'm not... Yeah. You're it's not a free deep. win. It's not free, but you should expect them to They get are to definitely Div 1. favorites to get to Div 1. Yeah, they should be. I mean, um, speaking of the roster... Just to go though, over the players really quickly. Yeah, yeah exactly. So obviously... Uh, Nico and Aramis are familiar for those of you who watched Alliance this season. Uh, then you've got Wii that if you've watched Dota in general for the last six or seven years, you'll probably know this guy. Uh, I think he's a really good fit for this team. So something that I've always said about Nico is that he's a very aggressive carry player. Um, that doesn't mean he doesn't play hard carries because he he does, but he's very involved. And I think especially the way this patch works right now, uh, let's see how that goes down the line. But uh, having aggressive players and putting pressure seems to be very powerful right now. The games are high-paced. There's a lot going on. Um, you put him with Wii, who is a very aggressive mid laner. And I think their hero pools complement each other very well because if Nico is playing one of his aggressive carries, uh, they can play these high-tempo strategies with Wii playing as a playmaker. And pretty much same logic. If Nico is playing a hard carry, Wii is the kind of mid player you want to make space for you. He is willing to make the sacrifices needed to give up farm to the carry, and he's able to generate opportunities around the map. So I think he's a really great pickup for this roster, so I'm hopeful for Alliance. When it comes to Symmetrical, he's a little bit of a wild card. Uh, I like the guy. I've played a decent amount with him in pubs. I I think he's talented, uh, but could run into a similar situation to what they did with, um, who was it they had on mid before? Supreme. Uh, who did not have a good season and kind of didn't didn't perform to the level that you were, would hope. So curious to see from Symmetrical if he can pull it off. Aramis, I've been 
generally impressed with overall. I think he didn't look that good on the last roster, but that was because the team wasn't functioning very well. Uh, and Stamanen is five and captain. That's maybe the biggest wild card for me overall is how good is this guy going to be as a captain for this team? Because mm-hmm. he's, I primarily remember him as a four player uh, playing a mobile and active style of gameplay. But as five, you're a little bit more stifled. You're a little bit more grounded in laning and in terms of movements. And as a captain in general uh, for this team, like how is the dynamic going to be? How are they going to trust him? Uh, how are they going to build their strategies? And then Loda back to coach. Like, how well is he in touch with the game? Like, I don't know how good Loda is anymore. He's definitely not high immortal. He doesn't really play anymore. Not that that's a requirement for being a coach, but it gives me this vibe that Loda is primarily going to be like a life coach for the team rather than a strategic coach. Because honestly, I like the guy, but I don't know strategically if he has the depth that it takes for the game anymore. Um, I would happily be proven wrong. Like, maybe he's really in touch with the meta and drafting, but I. I think you need to play at a certain level and play a certain amount. You can do analysis, which is, you know, for example, let's compare Loda to Immortal Faith, right? The coach of Game and Gladiators, uh, who won the the EU regional finals. He is also not like a top top player, but he's top thousand immortal, and he plays a lot. So I think he's very much in tune with like the pulse of has his finger on the pulse of the game, like what's meta, what works, how do people play, how do we move around the map. So, so I think he has like I'm not a gonna bit name more names. I'm not gonna name names, but there's been a couple people in the past who have been very highly rated, who have retired, <clears throat> and mm-hmm. they've come back like six months later just to do like analysis, let's just say, just analyst work. Right. And they don't know shit. Like they sound like they know nothing. Like it's amazing how fast I mean, obviously you can get that back relatively quickly if you put in the time, but right. like, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but you can lose touch super fast in Dota. Things move really fast. Yeah. So, yep, that's the Alliance roster for Div 2. So, we'll obviously, do you keep think an it's better or worse than the previous one? I guess that should be our conclusion. Like, are you more hopeful for this roster than the other one? There's so, they more... replaced Supreme for Wii. Who did they replace for Symmetrical again? Lelis. Lelis. And then they replaced Hanskin with Stomanen. Do you think this is a, an overall upgrade? I think so. On paper. Like, the okay. one I'm not 100% sure about is the three position. I think Lelis is really good. It just sounded like it was a personality clash, most likely. I right. think he's like one of the biggest free agents right now. I'm surprised nobody's picked him up. But yeah, he's very good. Overall, I mean, I'm a huge Omar Weha fan. Like, obviously, I, I think he's always going to do well and always super underrated. And again, I'm just going to finish with this. I say this every time. The thing that makes him the most valuable player on a lot of teams, and I've had firsthand experience with this, is he is willing to be the scapegoat always. Very easy to play with, very easy to work with. And if somebody makes a mistake, he will say it's his mistake. He'll literally make shit up out of thin air and try to take the blame. And he's able to take it. That That is such a rare quality in a mid player, especially. Like, I could see that in like a support, but a mid player doing that's fucking crazy. So that is really crazy. But what is he going to do if the team is having issues and discussions about the betting sponsor? Is he going to take the blame for that one? What? <laughs> It was me betting, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, that might be the exception then in the in the rule, but and looking forward to see what they do in the future. Okay, 7.31b was released, Cinderin, which has some interesting changes. Tell me what you want to talk about. I mean, the first thing, mana cost reduction now stacks diminishingly uh, because <laughs> because Storm was yeah. being silly. I mean, I mean, okay. 
how about we look at it from this perspective? Doesn't this feel like super band-aidy to you? Yes. Like, it's it's like okay, we put these mechanics in the game, and, and uh, okay. So first of all, when you put new stuff in the game, something is going to be broken, and I don't blame Valve for a second for not thinking through every possible scenario and every possible item build for what will work out and what won't be and be broken and stuff. This happens every major patch with new concepts. Mm-hmm. Something is broken and it needs to be fixed. That's fine. No problems there. But now you end up in this really awkward spot where you have Null, Bracer, and Wraith Band and one of them doesn't. One of them stacks diminishingly and the other ones don't. Uh, that's a little bit like counterintuitive. So now the the int one feels a little bit forced with the mana reduction in the in the context of the other ones, um, and yeah, the the beauty of Dota though is when you do make new concepts like this, it's it's sheer like it's sheer sample size of the player base, right? Some genius things get discovered within thirty minutes, and some take weeks mm. with no changes. It, it really just is a testament to you know people's creativity and imagination which i find to be one of the most fascinating things about the game is that you can discover broken shit after weeks but this one was really obvious to stormsburg players they were like oh hell yeah i'm gonna get five nulls and an arcane blink i can jump literally from one end of the map to the other and get a rampage in the fountain <laughs> like come on dude yeah, so I mean, have well, you seen some of the clips? It's just so fucking. I stupid. have, and we'll talk about what we <laughs> oh think of the patch God. like a week after, obviously, uh, like as the next segment. But let's try to focus in on the patch specifically. Sure. For sorry, that was seven point three one B Batrider. His shard was nerfed, so instead of orchid got three hundred gold more expensive. I think that's worth mentioning. This item was very strong. Okay, true. It still is, of course. Everybody's buying orchid. Yeah. Uh, Bat Rider Absolutely. Manta doesn't. Work. This wasn't even part of the patch notes. It was just a hot fix. <laughs> Manta doesn't yeah. work anymore with the sticky napalm shard, and now the shard only applies on fifty percent of the time on his attacks. Which okay, go ahead. I I, I still think... okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay, so basically, for those of you who haven't been playing the patch very much or no bad rider, so his shard would do so that whenever you attack, you proc a one stack of sticky napalm, and it allows you to attack during lasso. So what people were doing was a build with either Manta, because that was just proccing it on the illusions, which, like you said, has been fixed, Mask of Madness, and or uh, Witchblade for the projectile speed and just overall attack speed, right? Moon and shard bonus as well. damage and stacking with sticky napalm. So. Does this feel like an elegant solution, making it 50% chance? Why shouldn't it just be every second attack in that case? Oh, that's, I mean, sure, you could go either like, route. I, I, I know a lot of people are against this stuff like the new Naga, oh, it's on every nth attack or whatever. To me, that's very different because it's an illusion-based hero that split pushes and is in multiple camps at once. Like, but for this hero, this just this feels like a really weird shard now. It's like... Yo, man, roll the dice when you're using your lasso and hitting people. You might get no damage, or you might get like five procs in a row. Yeah, I mean, I would for this year. I would have preferred. I mean, I, I like weird. the idea of having him like as Isn't a right clicker, just having it as an option. I think that's cool. Uh, yeah, I actually don't really fine. have a major problem with the fifty percent because if it's pseudo RNG, it's gonna be fifty percent. So whatever. Uh, I. I don't have as big of a problem as you, but if I had a choice, sure. I would like the proccing on every two attacks. Either way, it's a huge nerf to the shard. It's Yeah. 
it's not half as good as before because you still, you know, you get to attack, but it's way worse. And his compensation was he got 10 base move speed, which is really nice. That's a huge upgrade for Batrider because that's not 10 move speed. You also get mm-hmm. the move speed from Firefly. So it's even more. Um, so, but then, yeah. I'm okay. skipping a bit here so you can tell me if you want to talk about something else in between. But sure. Naga Siren, so wasn't aware of this when we read it the first time around. The way that her procs work. It was every five attacks at that time. The debuff is applied to the enemy, correct? Not your... Am I having this... Am I thinking of this backwards? Okay, so the way it worked last patch was that Naga needed to hit the same target X times to proc Riptide. So there was like a counter on the enemy, and whenever it reached five, you would proc Riptide on all of your Nagas. But each illusion would have its own different proc right it wouldn't stack would it it would so the so reason it's bad not... is because illusions are just spread out just attacking different targets and you're not going to get shit out of it for the most and part. a lot of the time when you got farmed you would kill the enemy target before you reached six hits or right. five hits so then you wouldn't even proc riptide right mm. the way it works now is that whenever it's just a solid counter now on you. So whenever your illusions and you are hitting anything, you stack up the counter and then it procs a lot. And this is a huge farming buff from my understanding, even though the threshold is now six instead of five, because if you place your Naga strategically in different camps and you're just hitting anything, you're just procking Riptide everywhere very reliably. Um, and as a result, they've nerfed the damage on Riptide as well to try to compensate. I don't know. I, I wonder what prompted this design uh, redesigned to begin with. I, I thought Riptide being percentage-based was actually not that big of a design flaw. Uh, I think some spells should not be percentage. Like, you could tell, in my opinion, with the, the whole Batrider shard, that one's a bit weird. But Naga having Riptide on a percentage was not bad design, I think. Um, so I, I don't know why they wanted to rework this to begin with. Um, but we'll see. It, it's going to find a healthy medium at some point with balance. This is... yeah. This version is definitely better than the previous one, the 731 one. Well, I mean, that's so. the, to go off of your point, like once this is quote unquote balanced, is it going to feel any different <laughs> than the old Naga? Like the uh, percentage It's going to feel more reliable, right? But um, like in a game, like theoretically speaking, if it ends up being around the same power level, there's not really that much difference, you know? Over the course of an entire game, no. But in the in an individual fight, yes, right? So okay. it's like... It, yeah, it's kind of like when you change bash from true random to pseudo random, right? You might get roughly across a 40-minute game the same amount of bashes, but you're very unlikely to have a fight where Void just bashed a hero six times in a row and won the game, and then you feel like the game is unfair. So it's it's kind of that logic, I think. Um, so yeah. one other change that I'm going to talk about is Pudge, because he's interesting. Flesh yep. Heap is no longer dispellable. Uh, the cooldown has been decreased dramatically at level one, and the duration it scales better, but starts off worse. It still feels like this hero is objectively worse than before. Yes, like going from two strength to or from three strength per stack to two is a giant nerf. Not having magic resist, giant nerf. And instead, you give an active on flesh sheep, which is okay, but. You have to activate it, which inherently makes it worse. I genuinely think what they should have done if they wanted to go for this flesh heap, which I appreciate, I like the idea of giving this an active component. I think they should have not nerfed anything else. 
and and his win rate would be looking at looking solid, right? Mm. The reason this sucks so much is that you nerfed other aspects of the hero in order to give him flesh heap, which is it's nice sometimes, but the problem is for this skill to be good, you need to level it up. Yeah, but when true. you level this up, you suck because then you don't have <laughs> rot or hook maxed. Yeah. So that's really bad. That's so this effect true. essentially doesn't really do much for you until you're like level 14. Okay, and, what about this? What about this? You know, so with all like, these nerfs in mind, I mean, first mm-hmm. of all, you're right. They haven't changed anything in the fact that you still have to get meat hook and, and rot first, right? Nothing has changed You just there. do. Yeah. What if... With all these nerfs, they increase finally the fucking AOE of this spell so you actually get stacks more consistently. That will make up for the nerfs to the strength. I don't know if that will matter enough, honestly. The problem is, again, really? even if, like, let's, okay, let's entertain the idea that you're popping off on Pudge, okay? You're having a sick game mm. and we're 12 minutes in and you have been in 10 kills, okay? Something extraordinary. Then. You can start leveling Flesh Heap to get that extra little bit of strength, but essentially, if you do that, you do less damage. So you're still going to want to level the other two spells first, and that means once you do get Flesh Heap maxed out and the strength feels really good, you're now at a point where you would have probably, a lot of the time, almost rather have had the old one anyway, where you just had more strength. So let me ask you just a general question. So the difference between three and two, do you think that if you increase the AOE to be double, like what is it right now? It's really low. Is it 800 or uh, something stupid? I don't remember how much it is. It's less than that, I think. So let's say you double it. Are you saying you're not involved in 33% more? Or I guess it would be 50% technically. More kills? Uh, second radius is 450. You double that to 900. I feel like that's better than before because now you don't have to be like, again, this is like completely subjective based on my personal experience, but it feels like I never get these stacks when I'm like just out of range. 450 is nothing, you know? Yeah, it's essentially you need to, it's generally you are dismembering a target and they die or you're running them down with rot and lane. Right. Every other kill in team now fights you just, doesn't You're believe. in the area and you gain strength. Isn't that the range better? is sixteen hundred if you get the kill. So that's to you know allow you to get strength when you have hook. Sure. Uh, when you have hook as the killer. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like again, I think this spell is cool. The problem is it's really bad on level one, and it still is after this change. Even though the cooldown is lower, the duration is now five seconds. Against a lot of sources of damage, the value is negligible. So I think if I'm playing Pudge right now, I'm not skilling this anyway. So like, what's the point? Then it doesn't matter really how much better it is on level one. If it's not a, a it's in the past, sometimes I've skilled Flesh Heap on Pudge on like level seven or something. If I'm really having a sick game, because I'm like, oh my God, I can get like 15 strength if I skill this right now. That's pretty good, right? Mm. I'm not going to get that value. I'm going to get a little bit of damage mitigation from Rot when I put my Flesh Heap on for five seconds. Um... But it's going to cost me mana, which is a resource that Pudge is already starved on. And if I'm not specifically against heroes like PL or whatever, where I can block a billion damage with the Flesh Sheep, then I'm not really interested in getting it anyway. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm okay with the redesign of the skill, but it should not have been at the expense of course, uh, of Pudge's core kit. I agree. So it's still, I, I hope they re. I hope they re. Just revert that, honestly. Like, revert all the stuff to the previous version and let me have this flesh sheep. Let's see how it goes. 
If it's too broken, you can nerf the new flesh sheep then. I don't know why they don't want Pudge to be good. Why do you think? Same. He, he's so excited. Everybody like, wants to see him. Everybody loves him. Obviously, it's if he's on your favorite. team, he's annoying, but they're already picking him every game anyway. So what's the difference? You know? It's a fan favorite. People like seeing it in pro games, which never happens, by the way. So it's celebrated when it gets picked because people really like the hero as it's fun to watch. It makes moments. And even if it is, like you said, if it is really popular in lower skilled games, like his win rate isn't broken anywhere. So it's right. not like, like people might be frustrated with it, but it's not. And it also doesn't feel like an overwhelmingly hated design in, in comparison to like the old techies, right? Yes. Like, I understand it's annoying to get hooked, but, you know, ward the map and get good, dude. Uh, get good, bro. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's... So that was patch 7.31B, which I guess also came with a ninja patch or buff to Primal Beast. Uh, I'm not going to read it all, but basically he just got a lot better. Uh, we'll yep. talk about that hero as well, which we might as well do that now because we can talk about our reflection a week later after the patch has come out. So let's, we can just pick like the main points we want to talk about. So I'll start with primal beast. Last time I checked his win rate was like 45%. I think he's very good, like very strong. And a lot of the people playing him are just really bad with him, which, you know, he's new. So it's expected. I think he's just objectively a strong hero right now your thoughts his shard is garbage that's maybe the worst shard in the entire game i think people um i mean first of all the shard is bad because it doesn't even say what it does so you don't know if you should buy it (laughs) i think a lot of the times people buy the shard they get surprised with how weak it is it is i think not just that cinder but when i've played it what does it tell me to buy every time? Aghanim Scepter. People are buying like the shittiest items because it's recommended to them by the game. There isn't an Aghanim <laughs> Scepter. And then it says buy Shard, which doesn't synergize with literally any of his other abilities. This is why it's a 45% win rate. But I wonder if there's some sort of cult in Dota that specifically every game they play as a five stack, they just buy the worst items to try to shift <laughs> the win rates and try to shift the recommended items. Yeah, that would be interesting. Pretty funny. Um... When it comes to the shard, okay, I'm just going to read out what this shard does, and then I'll read out another random shard so you can compare the two, okay? Okay. Primal Beast shard, rock throw. Primal Beast throws a rock at the target location that stuns and damages enemies. The rock cannot be thrown within a minimum range of Primal Beast. Okay, Timbersaw shard. Flamethrower releases a 275 with flame that extends 400 range in the direction Timbersaw is facing. Applies a debuff that deals 80 damage per second and slows by 30%. Affects buildings, but for 40% damage. Lasts 7 seconds. Debuff lingers for 2 seconds. Alright, what was the difference between those two shards? Numbers. One of them actually fucking said what it does. No, technically, <laughs> I, I was expecting you, worse. I mean, it did supposed say... to gauge whether you want to buy this item? It doesn't say what it does, <laughs> It says it throws a rock and it stuns. That's, you know, that's enough for most people. How far? How long? What's the mana cost? What's the cooldown? I mean, I don't know, dude. Just try it. Do you agree that it's a garbage shard? Like, really bad. I don't don't remember the numbers, so I don't know how bad it is. All right. (laughs) Actually, now that I think about this, it's not that good. I would like to talk, even though this is not part of the original outline here, I want to talk about Ags and Shard for this hero because. 
the past couple I've had trouble with, and I think Valve has as well, considering Marcy's shard and Ags, I literally mm-hmm. don't remember what they do because they're so fucking weird and they're going to get changed anyway. I have some ideas that I want to run by you, okay? Okay. So shard and Ags for this hero. I'm trying to think of which one's which. So I guess Ags would have to be... You're not like rock throw as a concept? You would just buff the just shard? Wait. Or do you think it's boring? It's okay, boring. Sorry? It's boring and it doesn't synergize. Ags is well first of all i don't want to add like this whole how does the how does the sh- okay hang on how does rock throw not synergize what do you mean how does it synergize you want to be you throw the rocket at an enemy that stuns them and then you can connect your onslaught how much time does it take to use onslaught my god does it stun for 10 seconds is that what it doesn't say in the shard description if it's stunned for like two and a half that would be enough to connect on max range right it's garbage. Anyway, can I please tell okay. you my amazing yes. idea? That's yes, going- absolutely. I'm, I love your ideas. I'm more confident that this will happen. Okay, first of all, you don't want to add the whole BKB, you know, while using ult or anything like that, because they've done that a million times. Okay, so I'm just okay. ignoring that. Aghanim Scepter, procs items. So you get lifesteal, you get like slow from Scotty, you get the trample. MKB, yeah, on trample, sorry. When using okay. trample, it procs items. So you can go for totally different builds. You can get Lifesteal. You can get MKB, which proxy, you know, it can do literally Maelstrom would probably be like the main thing that you would buy. Okay. That's the Aghanim Scepter. The Shard uses Rock Throw, except while you're channeling your ult, you're slamming them, Shard or the rocks will randomly hit in an area around you while you're ulting. Hmm. That sounds like a cool scepter. It's not that good, though. It, I mean, that depends on the values and the amount because of rocks. You right? have to you have to buy a BKB to make that work. That's why it's a shard. Mm. I guess I, I don't I don't know how good the trample eggs is. Like well, I'm no, trying to imagine. Because I'm putting both in Project Horse, so I can test it before oh. Valve, and they can steal <laughs> <Wonderful>. my idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um. Yeah, I, I think those ideas are are pretty good overall. Thank you for hearing um, me. And I and I will say, by the way, about this hero as a general concept, I think the reason its win rate is low is two things. Like you said, number one, people aren't playing it correctly, aren't playing it well. But secondly, I also think this hero is a little bit situational in terms of how valuable it is. So there are games that you pick this hero that it is the god of the map. Like there are lanes for Primal Beast that are insane. If you're laning against double melee that don't have any movement abilities. What the fuck are they supposed to do? Like, mm. you're just going to trample all over them. If they somehow escape, you chase them with Onslaught. If they hit you, you have uproar against the melee heroes that are largely physical damage, right? So, given... I, I've played this literally one game in a pub, and I played against... Let me just check my history here, because this was pretty interesting. Uh, I played against Ricky... Uh, Ricky Weaverlane. Okay. So whenever Shikuchi had been used, I could literally just kill Weaver if he showed his face. I could just charge at him and trample him because it's a 15-second cooldown level 1. And Ricky, he could blink strike away, but if the waves were close to each other, I could just start trampling him, and he had to choose, am I giving up ground and giving up farm, or am I trying to get CS? So that was like a super easy lane for me. Then, in contrast to that, you can have lane matchups with like ranged heroes that have mobility or... Ranged heroes that just have, you know, easy targeted stuns ruin this hero, right? Mm. You're super dependent on being able to move freely. So something as simple as Frostbite from Crystal Maiden or Lion Stun or, 
you know, any of these things can just make your laning way, way worse. Because Trample has a pretty big cooldown, right? It's like 30 seconds level 1. That's a really high cooldown for a level 1 spell. Yep. So Primal Beast is inherently just, again, reflected in his win rate, very situational in how good it is. But is the hero fun? I would say yes, based on the game I played and what I've seen. It's fun to watch. It's fun to play. Um, but it just has major weaknesses and major strengths. So Yeah, you know, and I, I would say the fine. one the one thing, I, I like him overall. I think he's really fun. One thing I don't like is that BKB is just required literally every game. And it's not just like you need it at some point. It's like your first item, which I would say it would yeah. be nice like with his passive. You know, like when you activate your passive, you slow enemies, you gain damage, and you gain armor. I think it would be cooler if you, instead of armor, you gain stat. I know you hate this. You gain status resist instead because he's just so reliant on not being stunned for him to be of any use, you know? So yeah, that would be good for that. Trample, but it doesn't help Pulverize, right? Because that gets interrupted by 0.1 seconds yeah, stun. but Pulverize helps itself by having a 24-second cooldown as an ultimate ability. That's fucking good. Would you... Okay, would you like Pulverize more as an ability if it had a much longer cooldown, but you were magic immune during it? Yes. Or do you like it more in this version? I, okay, so obviously it would be more effective, but I, I like the fact that it's an ultimate with a super low cooldown. It makes it more unique. So I actually would prefer it this way, and then balancing the rest of the hero around, you know, yeah. making it so it's less BKB dependent, perhaps. So yeah. in your first week, what what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on techies? Because in my experience, not nearly as annoying as before, which is a win yeah. for everybody. Uh, the only time I really saw it was. I played them against mid once, actually. The sticky bombs were really annoying and pretty much impossible to uh, dodge. But yeah. I still wasn't, like, super annoyed. Like, the guy just outplayed in most cases. I think reactive taser, again, just off of watching a few streams, seems like his weakest ability. But I like the concept of it because it gives him, like, this almost like an escape mechanism. It's a very unique way to create... An escape mechanism. It's not like a blink. It's not like these normal things you see on these heroes, but it gives you a little bit of mobility, and I think that's cool. The Ags is garbage, and they should probably rework that completely. That's the one where reactive taser can be used on allies, which maybe yeah. that should just be part of the <laughs> the skill. Maybe I don't know, but then it would be really strong. True, if they nerf the numbers or something like that. But it seems like sure. the hero is relatively like strong. Them. It seems to be the consensus. Seen some back and forth though. Some people think it's literal garbage. So, yeah, I think the most important thing about the redesign is that for the most part, the thing that was exceptionally infuriating about what this hero did to games is gone, right? Which was turning them into a literal minefield everywhere. So that's not that's not the case anymore. And that was I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here at least, but that was always my gripe with this hero was not that I don't. It was just too much. Like I don't like the concept of mining in Dota. I, I just don't. I felt like the hero was always out of place uh, and and was just bad design. It's kind of like you you could come up with a plethora of things that you could technically put in Dota, but that would just feel wrong, right? Like a guy with a bazooka just being able to do really weird Call of Duty shit, right? Uh, yeah, you could put it in the game. Would it feel right? Probably not. So. Um, but when it comes to the taser ability, like you said, it's. I think the reason they gave him the spell was to try to give him a way of using blast off and then getting out afterwards. Um, I'm sorry. The taser I, ability is a bit weird, though. The, the, I, I can't stop thinking of this Call of Duty. It sounds like a really cool hero. Call of Duty hero. Yeah. 
nice uh okay. get some nice marketing involved with call of duty you know some good adverts <laughs> yeah. cross promotion maybe we can get the the gecko as well from gecko to, Hell yeah. to make an appearance as a hero Hell yeah. and he will have a bazooka you know go. the great thing about geckos is their tails regrow cinder and so that could be part of the kit where he drops his tail and everybody gets taunted uses, by it he uses his tail as ammo in the bazooka oh even better just unlimited tail action mm. just slaps yes. you across the face uh sorry where were we yeah, <laughs> yeah so <laughs> so sticky bomb like you said it's easy to connect on heroes and lane but if you look at it from a harassment perspective i think this is not a stronger spell than say for example just arcane bolt from skywrath and lane i think this overall is less dps for the mana so and then blast off is obviously the the big difference maker here that skywrath skywrath has like concussive shot as a comparison i'm just doing this as a one-to-one comparison so Mm. concussive shot will obviously do a lot of damage but not to the level of blast off um but techie's usual problem will be how do you use your ult in a fight it kind of needs to be preset people need to access the area that you're in with the proximity mines for them to be effective most of the time because if you do jump in and try to place mines you're going to get stunned you're going to get silenced you're going to get something what you're not going to get is hit because you'll get disarming them with the taser but you're still going to be controlled by something unless the enemy draft is absolute shit. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's the one thing to me, and that was also what stood out when I read the hero the first time, is that Taser just feels a little bit weird, and I still think it does. But like you said, maybe if you make the eggs as part of the spell and you make it weaker, so you can use it on allies, that gives him a different purpose, or you redesign that spell somehow. Um, yeah. But overall, my impression of techies now is definitely way less annoying, and... Like you, like I said, I think it's like mixed opinions from the players themselves whether it's fun or not. Um, but he's not a pestilence anymore, so that's relieving. That's right. Pestilence is actually from Heroes of New Earth. It's just Slardar as a beetle. But anyway, oh, uh, Aghanim yeah. Shard now being purchased at 15 minutes. How big of an impact do you think this has had? Because I don't know. Very if this big. Is, I don't know if this is specifically that, and I don't know what it is about my games. Okay, I'm gonna be upfront here, Cinder. I played 21 mm-hmm. games. How many do you okay. think I've won? Five. Four. I've won four Oof. games out of 21. And 80% of them, I'm trying not to exaggerate here. I'm pretty, yeah, 80% at minimum have been beyond stomps, like 30 to five type deals. Okay. Yeah. It feels so much more snowbally. The games end super fast. It's just like, okay, the laning stage, which I'm said this many times i the weakest laner that's my weakness all across all of dota i suck at laning then when i start getting items generally versus my mmr i'm much better than the average person that i play against mm-hmm. i'm losing every fucking game on this patch i don't know how much has to do with shard it happens to do with uh just the push meta in general but jesus christ it's been quite miserable i have to say yeah, I, my experience as well has also been overall pretty... The the games overall are once more one-sided than they were before, which I'm trying to find like just the logic in it, apart from you know people being differently quick at adapting and games naturally uh, going for that flow. Because usually what happens at the start of a lot of patches is that Lycan and uh, um, Lone Android, etc., these heroes just have explosive win rates in almost every new patch because they just push towers and win and people aren't good at the patch so they don't adapt correctly they don't buy the right items they don't make the right timings etc etc um in this patch it's a total no-brainer why lone druid's win rate is high because he got mega buffed too so the hero's just good right yep um but 
just as an overall general thing in the game, I'm trying to find the reason that the games are shorter. I'm not sure what it is yet about the economy. Maybe it's because the losing team uh, gets less out of killing enemy heroes in terms of experience and gold, except if they're on long streaks. So if you do kill that really big guy that's beyond godlike, your reward is massive, but you're getting a bit less for killing shorter streaks in terms of experience. Um, so maybe the punishment once you're ahead of dying is smaller overall. That's the thing. Maybe the access you have to the map when you're losing is worth less because farming jungle is harder. So perhaps that also favors the winning team. I don't know. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm definitely in agreement that the games are more one-sided. Now, I haven't been as unlucky as you have with the win rates. I think I'm, I'm net positive this patch by a bit. I'm um, starting to think it's not being but, unlucky. <laughs> yeah, at the same time, 25 ga- or 21 games, whatever you said, it is a pretty small sample size overall. And even if you're a weak laner, it doesn't you feel shouldn't like lose it. 80% of games from it, being a weak laner. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's a small sample. <laughs> it has been a true misery. Yeah, uh, I, I I get that, but again, in the previous patch toward the end, even really really good players that played the patch well had had streaks like the one you're on right now. I think Topson lost a thousand MMR in SCA in a week. So you're saying like, I, I'm as good as Topson potentially? Exactly. That's exactly what I said. Thank you, dude. You should work for a tabloid newspaper. You're really good at hey, interpreting quotes. Correctly. I've gotten a lot of practice with uh, the names on our episodes. That's true. You actually have a, a portfolio. That's right. Um, Okay, so about the shards really quickly. The 15-minute shard is a huge change. I think it's one of the biggest changes of the entire patch. And I think it also contributes to the snowballiness because certain heroes uh, snowball a lot faster when they get shard on 15. The number one outstanding example is the biggest winner of the patch, Tiny. Um, if you play him as a carry, you buy the shard on minute 15. It ramps up all your subsequent item timings because you're getting free cleave five minutes earlier than you did before. That's really, really big. Um... So he was one of the huge winners. Uh, there's other shards that you really, you know, heroes that were looking forward to minute 20 to buy their shard will just grab it that bit earlier. There's plenty of other examples, but he's just the number one outstanding one. Um, I guess if you want a secondary example, Ricky can be really dangerous now. He also got nerfed, actually. I guess his, I don't know if his win rate was great, but getting poison dart level on minute 15 instead of 20 is really big. Gives you a lot more potential around the map. Um, yeah, so that's that's one of the big things. Um, overall, my feel of the patch is kind of still what our initial feelings were when the patch dropped. It's like, this is going to shake up what heroes are meta and what's really good. But in essence, we're still playing largely the same game in terms of map movements, in terms of towers, in terms of creeps. The jungle will be different, which it is. Um, but you're also seeing the strategies that you're seeing played right now. So game, the Gamers Galaxy tournament is going on these days. Uh, a lot of the strategies and the macro looks pretty damn similar to last patch, right? Like, there's yeah. just some heroes that are bumped up in priority, like Ember Spirit. Um, now that Sleight of Fist does full damage to creeps, people are farming on it really effectively. Um, but yeah, the, the the flow overall is very similar. And I, I imagine, given enough time, even if this patch was unchanged, I think pubs would start normalizing more in the direction of what they were last patch, once people get more of a grasp on it. I don't, I don't think this patch is inherently as one-sided as the games are. Um, we'll see. But I could be wrong. I could we'll be wrong. See. It's still early days. I wrote down a few 
changes from this patch that I wanted to briefly discuss. We don't really need to spend that much time. Most hmm. of them are hero related, but the the one that's not hero related is the bracer null wraith band twenty five minute thing. Right. I real I think this is my least favorite change they've ever made. Uh, that's pro- maybe that's not true. Uh, let's not go crazy. It's one of my least favorite changes they've ever made to Dota. It's just such a lazy design. Yeah. And I don't I just don't like the idea. Now, do I like having my bracer double in uh in strength or in like not literal strength, I guess in some ways strength. But infectiveness, thank you. After 25 minutes, sure. Do I think it's good for the game? Not really. It's very lazy. And I, I thought that after a week of playing, maybe things would change. Maybe my thought process would be tweaked, but not really. I think I still can't stand it. Again, it, it kind of feels like, you know, there's certain elements that are put into the game that you feel like are just, uh, they're just testing, right? Like, yeah. caster introduction was my favorite thing to hate on this patch as a concept getting that on Bane and Tinker. Like, there's two heroes that have caster introduction with their spells. Um and then you have this concept with items that scale after a certain amount of time. I think they're testing to see, first of all, what's the community reaction? Is this interacting with win rates the way we imagine? And I think the problem that they had was that every hero, almost, was buying either, except supports, were buying either Wraithband, Bracer, or Null, and then they would always just bin them later to sell them for half value and get bigger items. And that's fine, right? Like, that's the... That's the logic those items had, and I saw no problem with that whatsoever. I don't know why we need to maintain them. Uh, the argument that I made when this patch came out was that I, I made the comparison to teching versus rushing in an RTS. It's like, if you buy a brace or a wraithband or a null, you get immediate insane value, but it doesn't tech very well. So there's kind of a, a cost with it. You have to sell it for half price later. Um, so you get immediate value at the expense of later. Uh, getting something else. It's the opposite of buying a Midas, where you get immediate shit at the reward of getting a lot later. So that's a teching item. Right. That was fine. Like, why did that need to change? You I know don't what? know. Cinder, it's funny because I had a different so. opinion originally about how Bracer... I think we've had this conversation on podcasts before. Mm-hmm. That argue, That analogy of StarCraft was so good that I'm on your side now. Whatever you say, I'll follow you when it comes to Bracer, Wraithband, Null. Okay. Very it, good so analogy. It's funny because I'm kind of in the same camp as you where I'm playing my Crystal Maiden 5 and I buy two bracers and minute 25 I'm just like, oh great, I just got another <laughs> 200 health. It, it's nice, right? It, it feels good, but that doesn't mean it's good design. It also feels really good to find an amazing neutral item and I still don't All right, we're, we're going to agree to that design. one now. Right, uh, fine. Let's, let's move but, on. Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> I know you can go uh, but, on forever about this shit. I'm not going to go on forever with that. But about the Bracer Wraith Band Null thing, I, I think it's fine that they're testing the system. I, I don't think it's very good design, personally. Uh, it also doesn't ruin the games, but then you have outliers like people buying, like we had the Storm thing, right, with all the Nulls, which got nerfed. You've had you've heard about Londrids buying Wraith Bands Minute 25 because it's insane value to buy them on their hero because yeah. they share armor with their with their bear. And Wraith Bands. When you buy a Wraith Band level 25, it gives over five and a half armor for 500 gold. It's more cost efficient to buy a Wraith Band than buying a Chainmail at that point. For, for armor alone, and then it has all the other attributes too. Yeah. So, like, the item is just ridiculous, minute 25. So, it, it makes you, like, 
Should the bonuses maybe be less than doubled? Should it just not be a thing at all? And we just go back to what it was before. I mean, I'm honestly fine with either. I don't think it's... Uh, okay, I had, I, a couple, I had a couple heroes I wanted to talk about. We don't, again, we're kind of over time at the moment, but we're, we're going to get through these. Uh, I mm-hmm. thought I was reaffirmed by my, with my beliefs on Axe being fun. I think the changes are really cool in terms of gaining yeah. permanent armor and all the changes to battle hunger. In addition to making his, even though I haven't really seen a lot of people go for it, the Ags a little bit more, like it makes a lot more sense, uh, which is cool. Uh, Brew, I personally have not seen. All I have heard from pro players is that they cannot stand Drunken Brawler. They think it's the stupidest design. And I remember I, I thought it sounded cool, but I didn't think it was going to be good. And it sounds like it's just trash to most people right now. Do you think that's going to mm-hmm. change? Or is this like one of those that you just got to get used to and eventually somebody's going to just be really fucking good with it? Or is it just too weird to continue on? It's super high skill ceiling. Um, but... Maybe the numbers are off. I thought it sounded re- like really, really strong when I heard it first. Um, but like the results haven't been there. So maybe I just totally overvalued it. Um, don't know. I, I, I still like the concept. I think it's fun. And if you do the right tweaks to make the numbers the right amount and work in the right ways, I yeah. think it's totally, it's totally fine. Um, I hope they stick with yeah. it in some capacity because... Changing like elements is really cool. Uh, yeah. It makes sense for the hero, but most people use it to just do a disco dance, right? They just keep swapping. True, which and is nice. Shine in different colors. That's the new taunt, I guess you could call it. <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah. In addition, I wanted to talk briefly about Marcy, and I guess we missed this originally. She wasn't added to captain's mode, which is really weird. Do you think that she? Yeah. In your pubs, since my pubs don't matter, is she like too strong right now? Do they? Does it feel no. like she needed to be tweaked before captain's mode? Like, what's the? Why not just add her? I don't think she's uh, she's too strong. I think she has her counters and her you know benefits. Um, perhaps part of the reason they don't add her is that maybe they feel like the design is still not tested through. Like other heroes, you can be pretty confident very quickly that you like the way the hero works. And maybe part of the reason they didn't add her was that they were struggling with the Shard and Scepter, right? And now they put in the Shard and Scepter, and now they're finding out, like, does this make sense? Because I think they're really weird, um, the Scepters and Shards on this hero. And maybe that isn't a hint for them that the hero isn't, like, competitively complete, so to speak, um, to put in. That's, That's a potential reason. I don't know, like... She's a she's a weird hero as well. Um, it's it's hard to really say how balanced she is because you have these like games where it looks like this is the most broken hero Dota has ever had, and then you have games where it looks like this hero has a win rate of twenty five percent. Right? Like it's 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 just strange. It's kind of like Primal Beast in that regard. That Marcy also has games and matchups that are just inherently absolutely terrible. Mm. Um, but I think sh- her weakest game is still better than Primal Beast's weakest game on paper, with her utility at least. Um, but yeah, I don't think the hero was unfit for Pro Dota. Final hero, and I know you're gonna like mm-hmm. this one, Underlord. His new Fiend's Gate. I've gotten to see this on stream. I've gotten to test it myself. It's fucking cool. I love great idea, Cinderin. Very Yay. cool. 
Oh, uh, shit. I just checked my Underlord win rate. Like, playing him, I don't know how viable. I've seen, you know, like, Topson do this, or, or it was a Bulldog. I can't remember. Playing it mid. It seems like it could be a good mid hero because you can just TP wherever. You can gank easily. And if you get the kill in time, you can go back into your TP and just get back mid. And you still have your regular TP to work with. This is one of the coolest abilities in the game now. And there's just so much potential. Like, the old Dark Rift had potential. We oh, we talked about this for literally 15 years, it felt like. Like, oh, on paper, in pro games, this has potential to be amazing. How many can you think of? How many Dark Rift plays? Not many. Very few moments. This one is consistently fucking cool. Best ability change of the patch for me. This I one, should make Dota. Cinderin, you should apply to... Actually, don't apply to Val, because if they accept you, they won't allow you to be on this podcast anymore. And That's we're just going to have to turn it off. And there's no I'll way be I'm an doing... independent consultant. Yes, that could And work. I'll do it at half the salary of Valve employees because that's probably still banging. Yeah, um, it's probably still a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll be a millionaire instead of a quad millionaire. You know, sure, why not? Um, I just checked my Underlord win rate. I have 20% win rate in 15 games, but I have not played it since 2020. <laughs> so maybe now is my time for the uh, grand comeback. Okay. A really, really bad uh, Underlord player, I guess. Yeah, uh, okay, so in conclusion for the patch, I think we were negative or overall a bit disappointed going in. I think I still wish for more. I would like map changes. I would like more economy changes. I feel like the game is still too similar to before. Uh, I think some things were broken and have been nerfed a little bit. I think some heroes that got nerfed didn't deserve it, like Pudge. And I just hope things normalize over time and that maybe we get a smaller patch that spices things up a bit, you know, like economy or map. Can uh, I... Then that, that patch doesn't need to have a shitload of other stuff then. Just change, you know, spice things up a little bit. All right, what do you think about this? All right, <clears throat> just throwing it out there for a, a, something that wouldn't take that much time to create in terms of ter- map changes, mm-hmm. okay? Because it's just one thing you're changing, but it would have drastic impact on the game. What if Roche Pit, no, remember where it is right now, opposite side no. of the river? So bottom, but still in the middle of the map, essentially. That would change so fucking much. Maybe it's a stupid idea, but it sounds cool to me. What if after 25 minutes, Roshan has double bonuses? So he drops two Aegises and two Cheeses and has twice the health and armor and damage. Is what I just said that crazy? Like you're making it seem like it's a stupid idea right out the gates when they've done crazier things that people are like... Hmm. No, it wasn't. Your idea wasn't crazy. I was just making a joke on Bracer. Yeah, it wasn't the time or the place. Okay, you hurt oh, my feelings. My I'm not very socially uh, attuned. I know. So I, I've I don't get cues. Okay. Uh, I think... Yeah, why not? Like, honestly, that, that could be something. Uh, just to, again, like I said, just spice things up a little bit. If that means swapping Roche to bottom changes the map dynamic of where heroes go, where you ward, where you play strategically, great. Like... I'll be okay with that, at least as a test. Then if it turns out the spot is awfully unfair or whatever, then you can, you know, rethink it. But Then you can blame Sunspan. That, That's an easy scapegoat I don't think inherently there's a problem with having the pit on the other side. Um, the problem, as long as the area around it is designed in a balanced exactly, way. Exactly. Right? Like the problem before, like the original Dota, the location, the reason it wasn't good, even though it was on the bottom of the map, is because it was on dire side. It wasn't really a symmetrical kind of deal, which it kind of, mm-hmm. to some degree, is now. So yeah. I think that would be spicy for sure. Uh, uh, we had our, I, I think we gave our ratings for the patch last time. I gave it, what did I give it? Did I give it a five or a four and a half? And you gave it a six and a half. 
something like that. Maybe I even gave it a four. I might have given it a seven. Do you stick by your vote or your ranking, or does it, did it change after a week? I mean, I have lost a lot of games, but it's not mm-hmm. just about playing. It's also about watching Dota. Like, I love watching mm-hmm. pro Dota. Love casting it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'd stick with about the same. I think I'm sticking with mine as well. I still was hoping for more. Uh, my pub game experience in terms of win rate has definitely been better than yours, but I still... It's hard not to be uh, better. Yeah. I still wish for... Yeah, for some some other changes uh, that makes the game feel a bit more new than than this did, except the hero rebalance, obviously. Yeah, okay, plenty of that. All right, uh, with that, let one final quick topic since it's going to uh-huh. be you know it's not going to be uh, in time or it's not going to be relevant by then by next week. Steam Deck has been released to the lucky people that have uh, pre-ordered it, and. I'm not going to show the video, but you guys should Google this. There is a video with Gabe Newell himself delivering the first Steam Decks to people. And seeing their reaction is hilarious. The first guy was very excited, didn't know what to say, which is kind of to be expected. Uh, Another person just wasn't there. So their significant other who didn't know who the fuck Gabe was picked it up. And then another person, a deliver to, they're just like, okay, thank you. And like, they didn't recognize. <laughs> I think he, he's like, he introduced himself. Hi, I'm Gabe Newell delivering your steam deck. And the guy receiving is like, or the woman receiving is like, oh, thank you. Should I sign? Or <laughs> like, the guy didn't have any idea. <laughs> Which made it even more funny. You guys should look up that video. Uh, I wonder if they had to do outtakes, like if he delivered more of them, but some of them were just like, get the fuck off my lawn. What are you doing? Like, what are these fucking cameras doing on my lawn? Jesus. (laughs) I mean, if he did it in like Texas, then he might have to be a little afraid of people like shooting him, but it was Seattle. So a little bit more friendly in that regards. Uh, The reviews. It's a funny promo though. It is. The reviews in general have been kind of mixed. Overall, I think people like the idea. They think it's, the hardware is good for the most part, but maybe too bulky, too big. The fan is really loud. Um, a lot of games don't have the support yet. Uh, there's a ton of bugs, but they assume that this will be ironed out over time. So it's just one of those things like maybe it was a little too soon, but eventually so you're saying it might they, be good. Something got released that wasn't ready yet. Right. Like software That is unheard of in recent tech and totally not my number one gripe with video game releases either. Yes. But definitely not released too early but interested to hear like if any of our viewers have gotten a steam deck uh if so post in the youtube comments like i said i i reached out to valve to see if i could get one to test project horse and i was denied they said they literally don't have any which i actually believe they uh, said gabe doesn't want to come to arizona yes he so does not want to get it trip. delivered understandable okay that will do it for this week. Thanks for watching, everybody. And until next time, Suns Fan and Cinder and signing out. Goodbye. Bye. We say things that don't mean Subscribe. Anything, but thanks for Manscaped, Manscaped, Manscaped. Manscaped. Yeah.